0: Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. Amen. God is so good. Yes, yes. It's so, such a blessing to all of us to just sense God has shifted things for us in so many ways. In, um, just going to ask Neil, if you go to the first slide, Neil, that'd be great. Thank you. That's the end one. But, um, the Lord has, has shifted things for us in our worship, our praise, in our zeal and commitment and devotion, in our capacity, aspects of our vision and, our, and our, in our anticipation of things. And um, I just think it's fantastic that we've, we're welcoming 21 people Amen. into the church today. Praise God. And and on a day like today, plus children, indeed, and on a day like today, I I want us to just think about people, people, and um, I'd like you to turn to Romans 16, it's the last chapter of Romans, this might be our last Sunday where we focus on Romans, because next week is Easter, and um, after... Into Joshua together, book of Joshua. Um, so, so today might be our last special focus on Romans. And we're gonna read chapter 16 in a moment. But just before we do, th- this, chap- this whole book is written um, around about A.D. 56, 57, something like that, and is written from Corinth. Paul is in Corinth and he writes to the church in Rome. And and I just say that now not because we're going to be very technical today, but just because that will be significant a little bit as we as we look at some of the things he says. Um, and in this chapter, we find it's all about people. He greets um, he greets 26, I think it is, 26 individuals, 24 of them by name. And I remember reading years ago. It, it said uh, Paul gathers people to himself like like a magnet attracts iron filings. Yes. And uh, this chapter is all about people. So let's um, let's just read it together. What, what we find here: there is no hierarchy. Yeah. This is Paul and his friends, yeah. Paul and his companions, yeah. and as we'll see, all of these people are drawn together and caught up in. This tremendous mission that they all share together. So we'll read the whole chapter, but the first 16 verses will be on the screen. Okay. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, who is a servant of the church in Cancria. So you should welcome her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints, and assist her in whatever matter she may require your help. For indeed, she has been a benefactor of many, and of me also. Give my greetings to Prisca and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their own necks for my life. Not only do I thank them, but so do all the Gentile churches. Greet also the church that meets in their home. Greet my dear friend Eponatus, who is the first convert to Christ from Asia. Greet Mary, who has worked very hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my fellow countrymen and fellow prisoners. They are noteworthy in the eyes of the apostles, and they were also in Christ before me. Greet Ampliatus, my dear friend in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our co-worker in Christ. And my dear friend Statius. Greet Apelles, who is approved in Christ. Greet those who belong to the household of Aristopolis. Greet Herodion, my fellow countryman. Greet those who belong to the household of Narcissus, who are in the Lord. Greet Drifena and Tryphosa, who've worked hard in the Lord. Greet my dear friend Persis, who has worked very hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, also his mother, and mine greet Asyncritus, Phlegon, Hermes, Petrobas, Hermas and the brothers who are with them. greet Philologus and Julia I have practiced all these, by the way <laughs> Nereus and his sister and Olympus and all the saints who are with them. greet one another with a holy kiss. all the churches of Christ. Send you greetings. Now I implore you, brothers, watch out for those who cause dissensions and pitfalls, contrary to the doctrine you've learned. Avoid them, for such people do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattering words, they deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting. The report of your obedience has reached everyone. Therefore, I rejoice over you. But I want you to be wise about what is good yet innocent about what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Timothy my co-worker and Lucius Jason and Sosipater my fellow countrymen greet you. I Tertius who penned this epistle in the Lord greet you. Gaius who is host to me and to the whole church, greets you. Erastus, the city treasurer, and our brother Quartus greet you. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Now to him who has power to strengthen you according to my gospel and the proclamation of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the sacred secret kept silent for long ages, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic scriptures, according to the command of the eternal God to advance the obedience of faith among all nations, to the only wise God, through Jesus Christ, to Him be the glory forever. Amen. Amen. I love, I love this chapter. I like I love the last chapter in 1 Corinthians. Um, and, and I find it, Fascinating that Paul names all these individuals. Or if I could put it this way, that the Holy Spirit names all these individuals, that the scriptures, that the eternal scriptures name all these individuals. And therefore, um, we're going to just say something about each of them. And in doing so, uh, as we describe something of this church in Rome, we're going to say something about ourselves as well. So first of all, Phoebe. Uh, you may want to just keep your Bibles open. Um, so you can just look at the detail of each of these people. But it, it says of Phoebe. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, who is a servant of the church in Kencrea. That was, that was a port just outside, Eph- uh, just outside Corinth. So you should welcome her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints. And assist her... Whatever, in whatever matter she may require your help. For indeed, she's been a benefactor of many and of me also. He starts with this wonderful woman, Phoebe. And he commends her. That, the, word, the word he uses, it means I'm standing alongside her. I'm, I'm right next to her. I, I'm linked with her. I'm commending her to you. She is a sister. That sets the scene. This is family. And she's a servant, or she's a deacon. She's a deaconess. And he says she's been a patron to many. She, she was a benefactor. She was a wealthy woman who financially and practically helped Paul and helped many. She was wealthy. She was dignified and honored by Paul. And, and she is the one who is, is evidently carrying this letter to Rome. Taking the letter... She would probably read it when she got there. She may even uh, answer some questions about it. Because not only is she carrying the letter, she's carrying Paul's heart to Rome. And she's involved in, in this mission. And, and, and maybe she's even going to Rome because Paul describes in chapter 15, he's going to go to Rome and he wants to spend some time there with the church in Rome, preparing for his onward mission to Spain. Maybe she's going to Rome to, to be part of that practical preparation to get things ready, to get the resources ready, to help get uh, everything that is needed for the launch into Spain. This is, this is a deacon, and it does tell us something about the work of a deacon. It is no small thing. This is massive. This is enormous. This is a significant assignment given to a significant woman And this lady carries his heart, shares his vision, and is integral to every aspect of his mission and ministry. Every church needs Phoebes. And I'm so blessed for the Phoebes we have amongst us. Amen. Then he goes on to talk about Priscilla and Aquila. Wow. Wow. If you've studied the book of Acts and and you've read read the epistles, you'll know this this is a really fascinating and inspiring couple. Acts 18 tells us that they left Rome because Claudius um, issued an edict to dismiss all the Jews from Rome. That happened in AD 49. So um, five, six, seven years before this letter was written. They are in Corinth. And uh, they're tent makers in Acts 18, and Paul uh, lodges with them, stays with them. We know that Paul stayed in Corinth for 18 months, possibly living with Priscilla and Aquila, for maybe for, maybe for those 18 months, but certainly for some of that time. Um, and then when Paul leaves Corinth to go to Ephesus, uh, by the way, um, uh, when, he go- when he goes to Ephesus, they go with him. And they stay in Ephesus, where they instruct Apollos, Acts 18:26. This This man, Apollos, comes. He's, he's a great speaker. He's wise and persuasive. But, but it's Priscilla and Aquila who help him to understand things more perfectly, bring him into some more revelation. And there they are in Ephesus. And and, and the end of 1 Corinthians 16, it talks about the church that meets in their home in Ephesus. But now they're back in Rome, AD 56-57. And again, they have a church in their home, verse 5 tells us. And later, according to 2 Timothy, written 9 or 10 years after Romans, later they're back in Ephesus. This is a mobile couple. And Paul says, they risked their necks for me. Maybe they were imprisoned with him. Paul talks about some of that. They risked their necks for him. What they were involved in really cost them. But they were willing. They were radical. They were were radical in in their leadership, in their followership. They were willing to lay their lives down because greater love has no man than that. And this couple, this amazing couple, Priscilla and Aquila, her and him, were instrumental and integral in the planting and establishing of three great churches in Corinth, in Ephesus, in Rome, in these these incredibly significant centers in Paul's mission. These are the couple that were right there at the heart and center of it. All the Gentile churches, Paul says, are indebted to them. Imagine that. All those churches are indebted to this couple, Priscilla and Aquila, we need Priscillas and Aquillas. We need Priscillas and Aquillas. We need, we need couples who are mobile, who are relocatable, who are good in the word, who are willing to give their lives for friends, who are willing to have church meeting in their home. And I, I just want to say, Aquillas and Priscillas, step up. We need you. It's all about people. We have some already, but we need many more. And then verse 5, Greet my dear friend Epionetus, who is the first convert to Christ from Asia. What a, what a statement about this man. He was the first convert. He probably, it's probably a reference to Ephesus. The first convert in Ephesus, in Acts 19, we read of, of, of them of, of, um, the coming to Ephesus and they meet, I think it says there were 12 disciples in all. Well, this man was obviously one of them, one of the first in Ephesus, the first in Ephesus, the first to make the move, the first to make the decision, the first to break with his past and embrace something new. And I was just thinking, how significant are the first converts? The first in your family. Maybe the first in your workplace. Or the first amongst your friendship group. The first amongst your extended family. This man was the first one. But from what we glean of history, he certainly wasn't the last. This church in Ephesus grew to be hundreds, if not thousands of people in size. But, but Epionetus was the first to take the step, to cross the line, and to call others to follow him. Epionetus, Paul says, you're, he's his dear friend. His dear friend. The first Christian in Asia. But certainly not the last. And I want to thank God this morning for all the Epionetuses. And I pray there will all, there'll be something of Epionetus in all of us. We'll be willing to be the first. We'll be willing to break the mold. We'll be willing to do something different, to cross a line and go somewhere new. Epionetuses, we need many of them. Amen. And then there's Andronicus and Junia, who Paul says... Um, He says, my fellow countrymen and fellow prisoners, they are outstanding amongst the apostles, highly regarded by the apostles. And he says, they were in Christ before me. Well, this is interesting, isn't it? Because because Paul was in Christ probably within about five years of, of, of the crucifixion and the resurrection. But this couple were in Christ before that. These are the ones, I beg your pardon, um, these are the ones where it says they were imprisoned with him. And he says, they're considered noteworthy in the eyes of the apostles. They're well known to the apostles. They're highly respected amongst the apostles. And they're in Christ before him. He- I wonder, were they part of the Acts 2 church? Were they part of the Acts 8 scattering? When disciples left because of because of the persecution? Were they part of the Acts 11 group who, having been scattered, arrived in Antioch. Is that where Paul met them? But they were in Christ before Paul was. And I pray that every potential Adronicus and Junior would stand up and make themselves known. And then there's another group. Um, and I just put these together, uh, mainly because their names are quite challenging. Ampliatus and Abanus, Hermes, there's a Hermas in a moment as well, but Hermes and Phylogius and Julia, who seem to be a couple in verse 15, verses 9, verse 14, verse 15. And then also the household of Aristobulus, the household of Narcissus. These were common slave names. And here we have certainly those first five uh, slaves, probably those people identifying with those households were part of the wider household as servants as slaves. Some of them um, their names indicate that they that they were uh, their property was was part of the state they kind of didn 't have their own ownership in, at all but it says of Uh, It says of Ampliatus, it says of of, um, Urbanus, they are in the Lord. They're in Christ. Wow. You know, when we started this series, one of the things we said was we wanted to discover some more about our identity. And it does not matter for these guys, it's of no relevance that they may or may not be slaves. Other names in this list were freedmen. They had been slaves, but now they're free. I think Narcissus are particularly... There's a, there's a well-known inscription describing a Narcissus who became a very wealthy, powerful man. But these are the households. These are the slaves. And, it, and that's of no relevance because in Christ there is neither slave nor free. They are in Christ. I kind of picture this as being like an envelope. Christ has enveloped them. Their identity is now in Christ. Their past is irrelevant. And the same is true for us folks, isn't it? It's of no relevance where we came from. Our schooling is of no relevance. Our status is of no relevance. Your salary, your street... Your significance in the eyes of the Lord. It counts for nothing. What matters is we are in Christ. We are in the Lord. And that envelops everything and, and becomes our new identity. And then there's some women, some more women. Mary. Trephana and Trephosa, probably twins. Persis. Persis is a dear friend of Paul's. All of them have worked hard in the Lord. And guess what? It didn't go unnoticed. They worked hard and Paul commends them for it. And here are more vital, significant women whose work and service is essential for the life and progress of the church. I thank God for our people. Every church needs women like these. And we are blessed to have many of them. Hallelujah. And then there's Rufus. Verse 13. Rufus. This is an interesting character. If you, if you turn to Mark 15. Turn back to Mark 15. This is the story of the events that we will be particularly remembering This week, Mark 15 verse 21, Jesus has been handed over and um, Barabbas has been released. Jesus has been condemned to execution. He's been mocked by the Roman soldiers and then in verse 21 it says, they forced A man coming in from the country who was passing by to carry Jesus' cross. He was Simon, a Cyrenian, the father of Alexander and Rufus. And many believe the Rufus that Paul is greeting in Rome is, is the son of this man, Simon of Cyrene, who carried Christ's cross. I don't know, it's not proven, but I wonder whether this is the son of that man. I wonder whether his father Simon was in Jerusalem at Pentecost because it, it mentions people from Cyrene. It certainly mentions Cyrenian men who, who in Acts 11 are the ones who following the persecution in Acts 8 where, which scatters the disciples. It says that they went everywhere speaking to Jews, but some of them, Men from Cyrene spoke also to Gentiles. I wonder if Simon or Simeon is, is one of those ones who took the gospel all the way to Antioch. It says in Acts 13 that, that, that amongst the, the, the prophets and teachers in Antioch was a man named Simon or Simeon who they called Niger, dark-skinned. And he was numbered amongst the prophets and teachers. I, I wonder whether Rufus's father was one of those companions of Paul. We don't know any of that, but it but it just brings this to life for us, doesn't it? These details, these real people, these these relationships, these companionships. And then he says this about about um about Rufus's mother, Simon's Simon's wife, that she became like a mother to me. Maybe when, maybe when Barnabas and Saul in Acts 11, um, when Barnabas sees what's happened in the church there, and he goes to fetch Saul, and Saul comes from Tarsus, and maybe, maybe that's the point at which Rufus's, uh, Rufus's mother, Simeon's wife, becomes like a mother to Paul. Maybe he lodges there. Maybe he stays there. All, all I don't know is this. These are Paul's friends and family. And this is personal. This is intimate. This is, this is detail that really matters. Which takes me to the last 10 names. And um, if you just put up, there we go Stachis, Apelles, Herodian, Asyncritus, Phlegon, Patrobas, Hermas. Nereus and his sister and Olympus. I don't want to miss those names out because Paul didn't. don't want to miss those names because the Holy Spirit didn't. don't want to miss those names because the eternal word of God did not. These names matter. And like the rest of them, the names, the names indicate some were, uh, some were Jews, some were Gentiles, the names indicate some were slaves, some were free. Certainly some were men, some were women, some were rich, and some were poor. But this is the beautiful diversity of this church. Just a couple of more things to mention. One is that um, in several places we, we we realize there's a church meeting in a home, house churches. And the first of those is, is in verse 5, reference to... Um, Priscilla and Aquila, the church that meets in their home. And, and, of course, the word for church is this great word, ecclesia. It means people called out from the world, called out from darkness, called out and called together to, to start and be part of a brand new community. And some of them possibly met As as those households, that was their church unit. And I just want to say this. We must expect that amongst our growing family of churches, some will be house churches. That will be their primary expression, meetings in homes. And also to say this, whenever we meet in our homes, it is a vital expression of church. And if Jesus is present, what can happen? Anything. When we meet in our homes and Jesus is present, anything can happen. The place, the living room becomes pregnant with possibility. This is church in the home. Hallelujah. I have to say something about the holy kiss, of course. Verse 16. And, and, and that, that instruction, greet one another with a holy kiss or the holy kiss, it occurs one, two, three, four other times in the New Testament. Uh, in, amongst Paul's group, amongst Peter's group, greet one another with a holy kiss. It's not an erotic thing. It's not a sexual thing. It is a sign of peace. It's an expression of saying, you know, whatever our background, we're all in Christ now. We're the same. I greet you with a holy kiss. It's an expression of peace, of blessing, of goodwill, of favor. And it says to all of those people, do you know what? We are part of something bigger. Verse 16 says, all the churches send greetings. Paul is writing this letter from Corinth. And, um, and 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 when you read the description in Acts in Corinth around this time, representatives are gathering together to make a trip to Jerusalem. People from Berea, from Thessalonica, from Derby, from Ephesus, and and I guess Paul is saying there are representatives from the other churches here, and you know what? They all send you greetings. They're inspired by your faith. They're praying for your success. They are cheering you on. It's a fantastic chapter, isn't it? We we could say more. We're not going to say too much more about the chapter. But it's more than an end to a great book. It's more than just, you know, a a sort of fitting conclusion. I believe the Holy Spirit wants us to see something. He wants us to look and see something these great people, these men and women who worked hard, servants of Christ, dearly loved friends and companions with a, with a common new identity in the Lord, leaders who were mobile, willing to relocate, couples who risked their necks for the sake of others, friends on mission together, people who belong to Christ and to one another, and joining that church really meant business. And it's exactly the same here, folks. I want us to finish by really thinking afresh about the way we see and think and speak of one another. Look around the room with me. Just look around this room with me. Let's not think any less of ourselves, of one another than we should. Let's not think any less of ourselves than we should. And I want to end with um, my own, my own, which I hope will be our own personalized chapter of greetings. OK? Is that all right? Get ready. You might be mentioned. And by the way, just to say, if you're not, <laughs> do not be offended. Uh, that It is impossible, but you're, you, everybody's caught up in here somewhere. And I'm sharing this from the heart. And, and I trust it will be a representative also of your heart to your family. It seems very appropriate today to do this. I commend to you the church that calls itself Living Rock, which is based in the UK, in the Midlands, at the very heart of the nation, and of which you are a part. Welcome all these great people in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints and assist each other wherever you can as you give yourselves to the mission to which I've called you. It will take you from the heart of the nation to the ends of the earth. Greet Keith, Brenda, Christine, Marina, Paul and Janet, Julian and Kate, and all the founding members of Rock of Life Church. Greet also Jean, Debbie, Alison, Vaughan, Graham, Alison, Mary, Stephan and Diana, Lawrence and Allison, Simon and Liz, and all the founding members of Covenant Life Church. They were in the Lord before most people. Without them, this church would not exist. They are to be honored and commended for their vision, commitment, loyalty, and faithfulness. Greet all the older members of the church. Roy and Marjorie, Jack and Beryl, and all the other younger spring chickens. (laughs) Roy turns 90 very, very soon, praise God. They have walked with the Lord for many years and are still going strong. Pray for those facing challenging circumstances. Stand with them and lift them up Encourage them to keep exploring and keep spurring us all on. Greet all the young adults, those in their 20s and 30s, committed to making their lives really count as they make the mission of the kingdom their priority ahead of the return of Christ. Pray for them and encourage them to live for Jesus. Greet Alex and Lisa who have served so faithfully over so many years, inspiring two generations of children to love and serve the Lord. They are outstanding in the eyes of the elders. Greet also the amazing men and women who serve alongside them in ministry to our precious children. They are to be thanked and appreciated for all they do. Greet Benjamin, whose love for Jesus Love for the world and love of creativity have given the church an invaluable prophetic ministry in media and communications. Greet Nick and Ruth, Stuart and Karen, Pete and Pauline, Lawrence and Allison, Andy and Fran, Sharon, John and Joe, Mary, Stephen, Brenda, Muriel, Russ and Rita, and all those who have so diligently welcomed people into their homes and led small groups over the years. Their service has been invaluable to the eldership and a vital part of the care, discipleship, and mission of our church. Greet also the many more recent leaders of groups and encourage all of them to believe that when they gather God's people in their homes, anything can happen. Greet Mike and Lauren. And the fantastic team that work with them in leading the youth ministry. The whole church thank them. Commend them for their faithfulness and commitment. They are outstanding in the eyes of the apostles and elders. Greet Christine and thank her for her vision and commitment to reach the international community all around her. Give her all the help she needs to see many more saved and added to the church. And greet our dear friend Stephen, who served our church so magnificently throughout his eldership. Greet Richard and Kate and commend them for their stewardship and service as trustees on behalf of the whole church. They serve us well. Greet Phil, Phil, who works so hard to facilitate all that happens when the church gathers on Sundays and during the week. Without his dedication and hard work, we could not do what we do. He's been a great friend to me and to many others over many years. Greet those in their middle years. I realize I'm on dangerous territory, folks. Russ and Rita. We'll, we'll see if anybody, if anybody has an argument with this. Come and see Deborah afterwards. Dave and Sadie. Graham and Becky. Andy and Louise. Rob and Marianne. Kevin and Elizabeth. Tendai. Duncan and Susan. Chris and Liz. Chris and Joe. And many others. And encourage them to burn more brightly than ever. They can be pillars, pace-setters, strong and steadfast, and their best days are still ahead. Greet Sheila, Jean, David, Malcolm, Betty, and thank them for everything they do volunteering behind the scenes. They are to be commended for their hard work. Greet William and the team he leads so well in music and worship. They're an inspiration. Encourage them to take us into new depths of worship and new heights of praise, which will bring victory and breakthrough for many. Greet my dear friend Andrew and his wife Joy, and embrace the prophetic ministry within him. He's been faithfully waiting on the Lord for many years. Encourage him to continue for many more. Greet also his father, Ron, a prophet before him, who has also faithfully brought the word of the Lord to me and our church over the years. Greet Simon and Liz, Rachel, and the saints in Colville. Greet also Carl and Rachel, Ali, Paul and Katie, and all the saints in Tamworth. Thank them all for their vision, work, and ministry and their commitment to pioneering in new places. These great people are to be supported and lifted before the Lord in prayer. Greet all the youth, those who've grown up in the church, and those who've been saved through the love and friendship of others, and remind them to live for Jesus and to go against the flow. Greet all the amazing children in our church. And encourage them to know how loved they are and how wonderful life is when we walk with Jesus filled with his spirit. Greet Annie and the rest of the team, including Leanne, Mandy, Diana, Tim, Nina, that work behind the scenes to ensure we are effective and efficient and growing in our stewardship of all the Lord has entrusted to us. Give special greetings to Sharon who's supported and encouraged me and so many of us for more than 20 years. She is approved in Christ. Greet Daniel and Linda, Hewitt and Hillary, Daniel and Midian, and all who live overseas for all or part of the year. Be sure to keep in touch and encourage them in the mission. Greet my dear friends William and Eunice and the eldership couples in Kenya They are to be commended for their faith in the midst of their many challenges. Pray for the great work in Kenya and give thanks for its expansion. Be sure to hold them in your prayers and support them in any way you can. Greet the new members, Ron, Philip and Lauren, Matt and Haley, Lee and Alicia, Jess, Dave and Kate, John and Margaret, Rachel, Justin and Alison, Megan, Amelia, Jorrell, Vanessa, Isabel and Joe, and all those in the process of being joined with us, Steve and Sharon, Helen, Seth and Sarah-Jane, Keith and Karen and others, cheer them on as they begin to play their part in the life and mission of our great church. Be sure they know we've been waiting for them. They have a part to play and we're so blessed that God has added them to us. Make sure they know that very great days are ahead. Finally, greet my beloved friends, companions, and co-workers, Rich and Sarah, Christopher and Ellie, Richard and Annie, Phil and Sharon, and Stephen and Mandy, the elders and their wives, who work so hard in the Lord and whose lives are dedicated to the care of his flock. They set an example for us all, and, to be, and are to be honored and commended for their love and service. Let them know they're appreciated. Let their work be a joy. Let, they, let them know you're with them all the way. Brothers and sisters in the Lord, you've been chosen for such a time as this. You have a vital part in the mission of this church. May you know great success in this new phase. May we see breakthroughs in all our prayers. May we see multitudes added to our number. May we have all we need. May we grow in revelation. May the unity of the Spirit be kept. Greet each other in peace. All the churches send greetings. They salute you. They are cheering you on. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with us all. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching.